G'day, Tilda Joy here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. This episode was recorded in isolation for 3CR Community Radio and broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. We're recording this episode on the 26th of October 2020, described by many people in so-called Melbourne as Donut Day. It's called Donut Day because today was the first time since June that the people of so-called Melbourne woke up to two great big donuts, zero new COVID-19 cases and zero COVID-19 deaths. This has been the cause for celebration for people across the city as we emerge from the lockdown that's been in place since the 8th of July. One may ask, however, what does the end of lockdown actually mean? At the time of recording, we still don't have information about the right to visit family members. My brother had his first child three months ago and I still haven't met them. And it's not clear whether the end of lockdown will even allow me to do that. But I can go to Kmart and I can dine in at a restaurant, so I guess it all comes out in the wash, right? The end of lockdown seems to signify the return of work. The biggest changes are to the retail and hospitality industries, which will open again for the first time since July. Perhaps it's our employers who can get really excited about Donut Day. This is not to undermine the incredible efforts of everyone in so-called Victoria who has done their bit to sideline the pandemic. The path back to the freedoms we once took for granted is now clearer than ever. Amidst the celebrations, however, the Andrews government, in a breathtakingly cynical mood, used the excitement around Donut Day to move in on women's country in Jabberung lands to remove a 350-year-old directions tree. The Jabberung Heritage Protection Embassy has camped out at these sites for the past two years, protecting the land from destruction planned in an upgrade to the Western Highway. On the second to last day of lockdown, while supporters from the city faced thousands of dollars of individual fines for travelling outside of their 25 kilometres, Major Projects Victoria moved in to fell the sacred directions tree. After the directions tree was killed and loaded into trucks, Major Projects Victoria issued the following statement. The directions tree that was identified in the federal court proceeding is at the northern end of the alignment and has not and will not be removed. This is obviously false, and it's an absolute disgrace and a continuation of the genocide that founded this country through the murders and abductions of Aboriginal people, through the cultural destruction of their languages, and through the ecological plunder of the very country that the First Nations of this continent hold so dear. This is an immense loss for the Jabberung traditional owners, and our hearts go out to them in this devastating time. Travel bans for people living in so-called Melbourne, by the way, are set to lift on the 8th of November. You're listening to Stick Together, recorded for 3CR Community Radio and coming to your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. Well, for this week's interview, we're going to be speaking to Ash from the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, RAFWU, about their role as the caucus organiser for that union and more broadly about some of the issues that uh, queer workers in particular face in in that industry. Uh, So I hope you enjoy the interview. Here we go. All right. So we're joined here by Ash from Raffwheel. Just wondering if you could introduce yourself. Cool. Hello. I am Ash. I work for the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union as the the caucus organiser. Excellent. And you're a retail worker yourself as well, yeah? 
Oh, true. Also, yeah, um, I, I work at um, Bunnings Brunswick on the on the shop floor there. Awesome. Um, so you're the caucus organizer there. Can you tell us a little bit about like the Refu caucuses and what they do? Yeah, for sure. So um, Refu has a couple of caucuses. Um, essentially, since the um, last couple of months, I've been uh, yeah hired by Refu to get the get the caucuses up and running. Um, there's a uh, the Women's Caucus, a Queer Caucus, a Young Workers Caucus, the Casual Workers Caucus, First Nations Workers Caucus, Migrant Workers Caucus, um, and Disabled Workers Caucus. Um, some of those are further along than the others. Um, the Women's Caucus and the Queer Caucus um, in particular have been meeting about once a month now. Um, and the, yeah, the Young Workers Caucus and the First Nations Caucus are uh, nearly getting to that point of being able to meet once a month, which is really, really exciting. Um, and the the others are still in the in the earlier stages. Um, Fantastic. So your job's kind of like bringing these workers together to have discussions about what the union can do for them and that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. So um, it's been a really incredible experience being able to reach out to all of the people um, who are interested in being members of the caucus and essentially creating a space for people who belong to the particular demographics that they are um, the caucus represents um, and having a space to talk to uh, other people who are experiencing the same, I guess, structural structural experiences that, um, that people of that caucus face in the workplace. Um, I guess the one that is nearest and dearest to my heart is the queer caucus. And it's been really incredible sitting with, um, yeah, the, the group of queer caucus members we have and having an opportunity to talk about the specific things that are facing each of us in our individual workplaces as queer workers. Um, it's always really interesting to hear that while all of us have so many different stories about the things that we're facing at our workplaces, um, whether it's, um, you know, homophobia, general queerphobia, transphobia, um, all of the, all of the wonderful things we get to experience. All the phobias. <laughs> yeah, all the phobias. Um, it's been, yeah, really amazing. Um, while these stories are so individual, um, you know, every time someone shares a story, pretty much everyone else in the course is like, oh my God, right. Like, it's just, you know, it's such a, um, uh, horrible and universal experience we get to share but it's been really powerful starting to have conversations with these people about the ways that people have um successfully navigated those situations and started working towards creating safe safe working spaces for themselves um with the support of their um co-workers and um you know with the support of RAFU. Yeah, it's amazing because a lot of these groups, you know, traditionally have been a little bit underserved um, by the union movement, unfortunately. So it's really great to see, you know, this this new exciting union, Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, kind of really prioritising um, these groups and making sure their voices are heard and, and things like that. Um, queer retail workers is a, <laughs> um, a, an issue dear to my heart as well. Um, I was wondering if you could maybe kind of explain... In that in that instance, kind of some of the specifics that um, the workplace issues that queer people face in in retail and fast food. Oh, so many. 
Um, yeah, it's a really, really massive problem. Um, the uh, queer people make up such a massive portion of the workforce, um, which means that, yeah, queer rights being um, so uh, severely under-prioritised um, means that it's just a massive amount of workers who um, are um, not being protected at work. So, yeah, there's so many different things. I know um, at my workplace and within my own experiences, um, I've seen um, quite a few people trying to transition at work, um, which, you know, it really should not be that hard. <laughs> the amount of people that I work with who have, um, you know, silly nicknames that people manage to call them, um, turning on a dime one day, and that's not a problem at all. Um, and yet when someone, you know, asks for what should just be an absolute given uh, to have their name and identity respected, um, that can you know, turn into a <clears throat> really horrible experience for them. Um, and, you know, you see people driven out of their, out of their workplaces, especially if you're looking at queer people. Um, a lot of us don't, um, you know, we're in really insecure works. So we're looking at people, casual workers. Um, and so you see lots of people forced into the horrific situation of either um, going to work and not being able to be themselves at their workplaces and having to be, um, you know, forced into the closet um, at the threat of losing their job. And then the other side of that is you see people who do come out and lose their job. They, you know, if you're on a casual contract, um, you know, you see people just not getting shifts anymore. Um, yeah, that was certainly my concern when I used to work in retail. Um, I transitioned while I was working. Um, I was closeted the whole time. I was closeted to get the job. And um, yeah, I, you know, made sure I was a member of my union and had rights to part-time work before I dared to, you know, tell my boss that I was transitioning um, because they, yeah, they have every right in the world just to not rust you on anymore if you're too much hassle. And you even, um, you see there's the other side of that where, you know, there are people who have managed to secure that part-time work um, and then, you know, are essentially bullied out of the workplace where, you know, while it might be, um, you know, in the end presented as if they were choosing to resign, the reality of the situation is that um, the going to that workplace and being safe in that workplace has become untenable because how they are being treated in that workplace as, as a queer person. Absolutely. Um, and so I understand as well the, the caucus has got had some role in like a guiding the policy of the union towards, um, you know, like things like bargaining claims. Um, I understand there's some prospective bargaining hap um, happening at Coles potentially in the future. Um, can you speak to any of the outcomes of, of that that have come up from the caucuses? Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, it's a, hopefully, um, sorry, the, the, the aim is that, you know, out of these discussion spaces um, where we are, you know, talking about and sharing our experiences will, um, you know, really begin to see the the things that we need as, um, you know, for the queer caucus, for queer workers, but the the same for young workers and women's um, women's women workers, being able to see um, what what uh, rights we need protected within our workplace. Um, and so the yeah, the idea is for us to have those have those discussions within the caucus and then um, take that to the 
broad union and kind of say like, hey, these are these are the things that we need presented um, and that we would like introduced into the bargaining um, to best represent us in that in in that bargaining. Um, I think um, the best example of that was with the um, it's actually before before I was involved, but the women and queer caucuses jointly did um, wrote up some policy that to be introduced into the Coles bargaining which was, I believe, around, um, you know, some of the phrasing um, about leave entitlements. A lot of a lot of queer people in particular um, maybe might not be as in touch with their biological families and, you know, have have support and need to access their, their you know, carers leave um, in, you know, for people that might not necessarily be their biological family, but fill those roles in our lives as as maybe in a heteronormative um, setting as a biological Certainly, family member if, if your family won't speak to you, then you're not entitled. <laughs> you're not entitled oh. to take leave to look after anyone. You know, so you've, which, you've lost a right. Which is just horrific. Um, you know, <laughs> just just like the rest of the world, queer people um, get sick, and we need support. And um, yeah, so you know that was that was really um, great to hopefully have that presented um in the in the um coles the coles bargaining to start to make sure that queer queer workers rights start to match those of the workers around them You're listening to Stick Together, recorded for 3CR Community Radio, coming to your local community radio station by the Community Radio Network. That's excellent. Um, So, as I mentioned before, traditionally a lot of these... um, cohorts that are being you know uh, represented by the RAFWU caucuses um, haven't been very very well kind of looked after um, by by the union movement but in particular I was wondering if you could speak to um, maybe a little bit of the the history around um, queer workers in retail and their relation to the um, the union movement yeah for sure the um, the union movement and queer workers have had a a tenuous relationship until recent times, I would say. Um, the the union that was um, supposedly representing workers um, before RAFWU came along was the SDA. Um, and the SDA, you can't really be representing queer workers uh, if you're homophobic. <laughs> and... Um, the yeah the SDA um, hold very very conservative beliefs and they've you know um, made it explicitly clear that they believe that um, you know a family is uh, a man and a woman who you know and that children need a, a mother and a father and um, essentially that you know queer queer families are not good or healthy families. Um, they were also lobbied against 
same-sex marriage um, when the marriage equality debate was going on. Um, and, you know, if you're, a, if you're a queer worker getting, um, getting bullied at work for, for your, you know, sexuality or gender, you're not exactly going to be able to turn to a union who believes you shouldn't exist for support in that. <laughs> um, so there really hasn't been an option for queer workers up until the beginning, um, up until uh, the retail and fast food workers started in terms of support. Um, and then also with the SDA, it's also worth noting that alongside being homophobic, they also um, are not a workers union. And um, on, top of, on top of being homophobic and not being able to support you in a situation where you are being bullied, they're also going to undercut your wages too. So... All, all <laughs> things weren't... to keep in mind. Yeah, they can't even help you if you're in the, in the closet, you know. <laughs> They're just not there for you. And I understand um, in recent times there's been uh, issues from SDA representatives on the worksite themselves doing some of this uh, this queerphobic kind of activity. Yeah, I'm... I... I'm aware of a really um, interesting situation, which, you know, from from what we know, it's not actually surprising at all, um, where there was someone in a uh, supervisor role who was the um, SDA representative on site who um, had a formal investigation launched against him for um, a very clear and ongoing pattern of quite extreme transphobia, homophobia, um, sexism and misogyny. Um, and thankfully the workers on that site were, um, were able to get in contact with RAFU and join RAFU and get support from RAFU in that. Um, and they saw really good outcomes, but, you know, imagine if RAFU hadn't been around and, um, the people you're meant to turn to, to support is, you know, management or, um, a union rep. And that, that was the person who was causing that harm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's astonishing um, for, yeah, as you were mentioning earlier, such a such a massive part of the workforce, you know, being being queer workers and, and, and women workers too, um, that, yeah, the uh, SDA continues to kind of have these kind of attitudes. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, it's a incredible development that, um, you know, such a strong kind of um, thing has come along. And... Um, yeah, I was just wondering, maybe you could sum up like why it's so important that um, workers are able to have this voice for themselves um, and have have the input into the union. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I don't know. I feel like that's that's a a really big question. We could probably talk about it for for days on end. But um, in short, I think um, the the caucuses are really important for so many reasons. I think. Um, one is despite anyone's absolute best intentions, if you are not a member of a particular, um, you know, community group or demographic, you are not going to honestly know what that group needs because those are just not your lived experiences. Um, and it's it's so important for the people who, you know, are, are experiencing um, whatever it is that comes along with being part of a, of a particular um, minority group or demographic um, to be able to have, you know, your own voice centered and make sure your needs are actually met. Um, and it is so incredible to, um, you know, see a union make like making sure that 
the voices of the people who are going to be impacted are the ones being prioritized um, in this setting. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what comes out of that space. Um, and the other thing is, is that as, um, as members of my minority groups, um, often we've been disempowered in developing the, uh, I guess, the, the skill set and the, the confidence to do the organizing that we'd like to see done um, on our websites and also out on the streets. Like, um, you cannot separate our, I guess, safety, liberation and freedom inside the workplace and our safety, liberation and freedom outside of the workplace. Those two things are so intrinsically linked. Um, workers are people and people are workers. I'm queer at work and outside, but you cannot separate these ideas. Um, and so it's just, it's really exciting to see a space where um, as members of, um, of communities that typically are not empowered to, you know, build up and learn the skill sets that we need to be, um, I guess, advocating for our own safety and freedom that that space is being being created. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm just really excited to see what all of the caucus members come up with and what RAFU, um, what incredible stuff RAFU is going to be able to do, um, taking taking direction from the just incredible group of people we've got together working on this. Yeah, it's certainly exciting stuff. Um, what would you say to someone who would ask, like, why is this the job of a union? Why should a union get involved in um, queer rights? Another very big question. Um, I guess, yeah, there's <laughs> there's a few things that um, my my initial response is how could they not? How, when when queer workers are making up such a huge amount of the workforce and you can see so clearly that it is queer workers who are underpaid, have unstable working conditions, are not safe at work, um, are more liable to lose their jobs. You know, all of the, the things that, unions are fighting for are fighting for other things that queer workers are facing and there is just no other way around that you cannot have the safety of workers without the safety of queer workers and i don't i cannot see any way how anyone could argue that that is not the job of the union absolutely um so obviously you know you and i are focused on um, the queer workers story because <laughs> you know we've got a um vested interest yeah we've got a, got a horse in this race um <laughs> But as you mentioned earlier, there's also the Women's Caucus, there's also First Nations Caucus, young workers, disabled, migrant workers. Um, so trying to build up those those structures within the union um, for, for all kinds of people. Um, if there are members of RAFU listening today who want to get involved in the caucuses, how would they go about doing that? Cool. There's, um, if you go onto the RAFU website, you can click on the on the section for the caucuses and down the bottom of that page there's a, a link that you can click through to to send an expression of interest um to join the union that'll drop through to me and then i will get in touch and have um have a chat to you about getting involved and the other thing that i would say is if there are any um retailer fast food fast food workers listening who aren't yet a member of rafu what are you <laughs> and doing? want to be involved why, yeah. why are you listening to this podcast <laughs> there's, there's something you can do there too <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, is there any shout outs you want to give before we part ways? Um, I guess uh, if, if any of the incredible caucus members so far are listening, it's, um, it's really exciting to see that, that space grow. And I, yeah, can't wait to see where it goes. Excellent. Um, thanks for making the time to have a chat today, Ash. Thanks. Thanks for chatting to me, Tilda. It's been great. Catch you soon. Well, that's it for Stick Together this week. Just before we go, I'd like to do a quick shout out to our friends at Radio Skid Row in so-called Sydney at 88.9 FM. They're doing a fundraiser at the moment. If you'd like to support that radio station and keep them on the air, um, head over to startsomegood.com and look for the Radio Skid Row 2020 fundraiser campaign. I'll be putting the link in this week's podcast show notes. Stick Together is produced for 3CR Community Radio in so-called Melbourne. Seat Together is made possible through the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or wherever you get your podcasts and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. Today we'll be playing you out with uh, one of the performances from the Black Lives Matter demo that happened here in so-called Melbourne Back in June, uh, I don't have the name of the performer to credit them with, but um, I'd just like to use this opportunity to extend solidarity to any of our Indigenous mob um, here in so-called Victoria who are, who are struggling at the moment with the, the desecration of sacred lands. My name's Tilda Joy. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. And until next time, stick together. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.